This is absolutely crucial. Your risk rating, your compliance and your remediation plans, your risk treatment, it all rolls up to your business hierarchy. That is who you have a GRC conversation with. You're at risk. You're exposed. You guys need to go remediate this. That is done through the business hierarchy. And this is GRC and Me, where we interview industry thought leaders in governance, risk, and compliance on hot topics, industry-specific challenges, trends, and more to learn about your methods, solutions, and outlook in this space. On today's episode, we sit down with Scott Jordan, principal and partner of Agile GRC Solutions. One question we discussed together is, is GRC a subset of cybersecurity or is it the other way around? If you ask 10 seasoned professionals, you'll probably get 10 different answers. So what are the drivers? Who owns the inputs, throughputs, and outputs? And we discuss this ongoing dynamic as well as the rapidly evolving threat landscape and what Scott calls security landmines and how GRC leaders can develop both the nimble and a next-gen program to address these challenges. Now, our episode with Scott. Scott Jordan, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Megan. Great to be here. Absolutely. So we are excited for our conversation today. We'd love to start out with learning a little bit more about your background in GRC. Could you share with us a little bit about your experience? Yes, absolutely. Thanks. Thanks for the question, Megan, and thanks to your listeners for joining today. I've been in the tech industry for, for 18 years, spanning across uh, HIT, GRC, and, and every other vertical that you could probably think of. Through, that, through those endeavors, I worked both at your large big four security firms as well as your large-scale enterprise-wide pure security firms, both on the east and west coast. Through those endeavors, I'm on the, currently on my 148th GRC implementation, Megan. So it's seen a few things in the market. Fantastic. Whoa, 148. That's amazing. So I'm sure you have interesting perspectives on security and GRC and how they work together. And really, there's common areas of collaboration. Could you share with us about that? Yeah, it's a great question, Megan, and I really appreciate it. It's something that's uh, uh, close to my heart. What I hear often from GRC industry professionals, people that have been in the industry a long time, tons of implementations under the belt. They use GRC and security interchangeably. And and respectfully, I disagree. And I'll try to articulate why during our conversation here today. Uh, I'm going to provide you some anecdotal examples. So back in the good old days, Megan, of 2019, when we were allowed to go into an office, right? Mm -hmm. We, We all had probably HR policies where it would dictate what you could dress, your code of conduct, what you could say. These things are a policy that needs to be governed. It has risks against it. It's probably operational risk, and we all need to be compliant with them. But it has nothing to do with security. And, and, and speaking more from an industry perspective, Megan, just if you look at risk and the categories of risk, you have emerging risk, you have strategic risk, operational, technical, financial risk. If you look at those, yeah, absolutely. If you focus in on tech risk and even a part of operational risk, sure. I, I, I can tie those to security. I, I'll give you that. But look at the taxi cab industry, for example, Megan, 10, 12 years ago, had they been tracking the emerging risk of mobile technology and that within a few years, we would be ordering 
rides on a five inch piece of plastic by tapping on it, they wouldn't be in the situation they are today, which is they've constricted over a thousand percent. That's emerging risk. And, and again, has nothing to do with security. You could say the same thing about blockbuster video and streaming and the list goes on, Megan. So that's why I like to draw that delineation between GRC and security. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. I know those market disruptors are things that we didn't even, you know, we didn't, wouldn't have not thought about in the past. And now they're truly disrupting the market and industries with them. So now in regards to the market, what are you seeing for organizations impacted and other themes that you're hearing in regards to security and GRC? The numbers are staggering. I saw kind of a paradigm shift in GRC implementations and and deployment from a professional services standpoint. 10, 12 years ago, we'd be deployed to implement a GRC system, whether it was strategic or technical, because, you know, it's best practices. It's good security hygiene. It's good risk and compliance hygiene. It's a good idea. Uh, SOX was big, and then Dodd-Frank was big, and COVID, and of course, NIST is always out there. Around the mid-2000s, it became a lot more responsive and reactive to all the bad actors hacking out there. And GRC, at least in my opinion, fell a little bit behind. We were, we, were, we were on our heels against the ropes trying to respond to all, to all of the bad actors out there. A couple of numbers out that I'll throw out there, Megan, that are really disconcerting. Mm-hmm. The average organization is attacked every seven minutes. So while you and I are on this conversation, this podcast for your listeners, probably both of our companies will get scan-botted by a foreign bad actor, and that's probably a nation state. Continuing down this vein, the average data breach cost a company $3.86 million last year. We're not talking about just Fortune 500, Fortune 100, Fortune 50. These are small to mid-market businesses. Maybe your local gym, maybe any franchise that you go to on a daily basis. These are all getting hacked as well as just your local municipalities. Last year alone, there were 4,000 ransomware attacks. And, and I moved over, like I said, from GRC to security. And ransomware is bad news. It's bad news. You got you to deal with these bad actors, often nation states. You got to deal with the key. And unless you had a backup that was shoved in a closet overline, uh, offline overnight, you're likely going to have to pay that fee or just give up your data. So not all of them are the huge targets, Megan. They have $292 million in losses. Equifax, $514 million. Uber, $148 million. They're not all that. Just your local small to mid-market businesses are, are suffering. And you asked uh, another good question in there about patterns. When Agile GRC is deployed, we hear the same things from GRC and security. Well, I hear the same kind of quotes when we're discussing, when we're going through our discovery phase. From the security side, I'll hear things like, well, sure, we meet with risk management once a year, and they tell us our high-risk assets, but really not sure how they got there. We hear the high-risk assets are basically a judgment call, not sure really how they're applying that methodology. There is a risk methodology, but we don't know what it is. I hear that from the security side quite a bit. And then over on the ERM side, I'll hear things like, yeah, I think they do penetration testing once to twice a year, but not really sure why and what the results are and how that feeds back. I'll hear, yeah, we have multiple asset repositories, so it's really hard to assign risk in one single source of truth. Right. And I might hear things like, yeah, yeah, I'll hear, you know, we make regulatory recommendations, but we're not sure they fall through, Megan. So there's just really good Mm -hmm. opportunities for organizations to close that loop. 
Mm-hmm. Great. And I, I know you've shared with me some lessons learned from work with your clients in the past, and you've called them security landmines. And I love that. So what are some of those security landmines that our listeners and customers that you work with should be mindful of? Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate this. This is, this is something, you know, uh, as a career consultant, Megan, uh, I'm sure you can imagine, this is the point at which I usually grab a, a, a magic marker and go to the whiteboard back in back in the antiquated days of 2019. <laughs> right. And so, you know, a, a consultant never met a whiteboard he didn't love. <laughs> um, so what I'll typically do is diagram this up for our prospects and, and or our clients. Uh, like I said, in the mid-2000s, the deployment began to be responsive to a loss event, a breach or an incident, however you want to frame that word. And they would suffer three or four of the following categories I'm about to go through. Number one, they would often have no unified definition of their business hierarchy. This is absolutely crucial. Your risk rating, your compliance and your remediation plans, your risk treatment, it all rolls up to your business hierarchy. That is who you have a GRC conversation with. You're at risk. You're exposed. You guys need to go remediate this. That is done through the business hierarchy. And so I would hear businesses say, well, I don't know. Do we use our our HR business hierarchy or the one that's an Oracle, the one that's an SAP, the one that's in our ticketing system? And they just simply didn't have a unified definition of that hierarchy. Moving around my, my little diamond here, the, they had no UCF, a unified compliance framework. We often say with GRC tools such as Logigate, it's powerful. It's what you need to go to a next generation program, but it's garbage in, garbage out. Meaning if you don't have the right content and data set to put into that tool, it's only going to sub-optimize your program. So a UCF is tying your policies to your risks, to your controls, to your assets, to your regulation. And the point of that, Megan, is of course, if an asset fails, what is the 360 degree ramifications of that failure? It's not just that the firewall failed. You're now out of HIPAA compliance. And if you don't fix it in 90 days, you're going to owe a, a big fine. And so you need that 360 degree comprehensive view of your system. And it requires a UCF. Moving around two more. Uh, Megan, federated data stores, the asset repositories might be in CMDB, they might be in SAP, they might be in Oracle, they might be in Remedy, and they're, they're spread out. And so the ERM team would have a hard time deciding where to assign risk attributes when the asset repositories are federated like that. And then from an ERM side, I would hear often after a breach, well, Risk management has one risk rating methodology. Audit management has a separate scale. And compliance management has a separate scale. So it was very hard to aggregate and consolidate those ratings with that kind of federation. And the last one, Megan, not assessing their, their assets. We would show up to these large organizations and say, you're doing asset assessment. Absolutely, Scott. Absolutely, Agile GRC. We are doing asset assessments. And when we, when we really got down to it, they were doing RCSAs, risk and compliance self-assessments which is more or less asking the control owner, are your controls effective or not? And they weren't doing operating or design testing or functional testing, and, and that can present a set of challenges when trying to defend yourself. You need to put up not only technical firewalls to the bad actors out there, but business firewalls to the bad actors out there. That's great. Thank you, Scott, for walking us through that. I, there's a lot to unpack there and a lot of considerations that folks need to make. So thank you for sharing what you've heard. Now, let's talk about this concept. You and I have talked about this. It's IRM versus GRC. But underneath IRM, there's this concept of risk transferring. And you had mentioned to me, 
you know, we don't talk about it a lot. So what do people typically think of that when it comes to risk transferring and how do you look at risk transferring? Yeah, it's a fascinating question because I was probably eight or nine years into the GRC space, Megan, before someone even mentioned this to me. I don't hear GRC professionals talking about the true financial risk transfer that I'm going to talk about today. So I'll digress one second. Typically, GRC professionals talk about the risk lifecycle in the same sort of terms. You can add or remove the verbiage, but it means the same thing. Identify, monitor, treat, and report. Under treat, of course, you have to remediate a risk, you have to accept the risk, or you have to transfer the risk. What I hear professionals typically talking about here with transfer, meaning I'm going to move this risk over to a, bit, a different business unit. What I'm going to do here is I'm going to move an on-premise uh, hosting environment to off-premise, thereby transferring it to my vendor. What I want to talk about today that no one really ever talks about, I want to talk about it for two reasons. One, at Agile, we try to give our clients comprehensive advice, whether we do it or not. We don't do what I'm about to mention, but we have partners that do. But it also needs to go into your UCF, into your unified compliance framework. To truly transfer financial risk, one of the things you need is cyber insurance. This is crucial. Again, $3.86 million, the average cost of a breach. Cyber insurance is a relatively new industry, maybe five years old. So you can get it for pretty cheap, to be completely honest with you. You play five-figure premiums and you'll get seven-figure coverage. And if you get breached, those insurance carriers or brokers will send you out a data privacy attorney, a forensics firm, GRC firm, and they're gonna pay for it up to seven figures if you got good coverage. And so you, therefore, you're moving the financial risk off of your books by having cyber insurance. If you're going to have a comprehensive ERM program, that needs to be part of it. And those policies, need to be in your GRC tools. So example, policy management in LogicGate. What we typically mean when we say that is corporate policies, InfoSec policies, HR policies. Those cyber insurance policies also need to be in your unified compliance framework in a tool such as LogicGate so that you're providing mitigating procedures against your IS policies by financial risk transfer. So I wanted to mention that for your listeners, Megan, because no one ever mentioned that to me until probably three or four years ago, and I do think it's a crucial part of an aggregate GRC program. Yeah, and I think it's really wonderful that you, although it's not something that's a direct part of your offering, it's it's something people can come to you for, at least to talk through this and get concept, you know, conceptual advice on. So I like the approach that you're taking, and it's definitely something I like that you encourage folks to think about as a part of their broader program. So Fantastic. So on today's podcast, we talked a lot about just your experience and the themes of the patterns that you're seeing in your work with organizations, some of the security landmines that folks should be aware of, as well as this concept of risk transferring that rarely gets talked about. And one last question I have for you is, you know, when you think about the collaboration of security and GRC, you know, they do go hand in hand. And I would love to learn about a fun collaboration that you have in your own life. I would often think that you and Rich Garrity as co-owners, partners at Agile GRC, they're a dynamic duo in GRC is a great collaboration. But outside of the work that you do with Rich, would you be able to share with our listeners a fun collaboration that you have in your personal life? Yeah, sure, sure, no, no problem. As you know, Megan, I have a precocious little eight-year-old in, in second grade, a oh, little yes. daughter. 
Oh yeah. So keep keeps me busy and, and, and young, I hope anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, last year again in the olden days of two thousand nineteen when we when we could travel to client sites and, and, and maybe we'll get back there hopefully sometime next year. But I had uh, I was bringing a large bank online with a GRC implementation, of course, and those final few weeks can can be kind of uh, can be kind of busy. So I've been on the road for three weeks straight all the way to the East Coast. And, it, you know, it's a consulting work week, Monday to Thursday, and working 15, 20 hours a day. Well, I got home early on a Thursday, and I thought I'd surprise the little one and pick her up from school. So I pick her up, and I'm showing, Megan, every year of my age on my face. I'm just <laughs> wearing it on my face. <laughs> yes. And she says, Dad, what's, what's wrong? You don't look right. I said, you know, Avery, I'm just, Daddy has been, on airplanes and not sleeping a whole lot, doing a lot of work. And I got more, a lot more work to do tonight. And without, without missing a beat, without, with no hesitation, she says to me, well, dad, why don't you just ride your bike to your clients? And why don't you just quit your job and we can play Barbies all day? (laughs) (laughs) I I suppose I got a little risk manager on my hands, Megan. You do. She's solutioning for you and thinking about other other ways to mitigate the stress that you're feeling. And I love that. I love that. And I guess, you know, that's the silver lining now, right? That dad doesn't have to get on that airplane so much and maybe spend a little more time playing those Barbies and riding bikes. Of course. She, she, she treated the risk appropriately. I don't think she, she tra- did. Well, maybe she did transfer it, but I feel like she just, she kind of remediated it. So she did. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, she assessed it properly there. She remediated it. I loved it. I loved it. Oh, you've got a risk manager in training. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Scott, for joining us today on another episode of GRC and Me. Thanks, everybody.